This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Wendy Hunter, and I'm the pediatrician next door. I'm that doctor friend you call for practical advice about your kid's health. I mix the science of medicine with the reality of parenting. I've got two new questions from parents to share with you today. The first question comes from a mother who is actually a nurse practitioner, which is really cute because it means no matter how much we know from our career and education, when it comes to our kids, we're just parents as vulnerable as the rest of us. She sent me this question about her four-year-old son. About a year ago, I noticed a small boil on his right elbow. I didn't think much of it. It didn't really bother him. So I just decided to keep an eye on it. Over the year, a couple other bumps popped up. I learned about molluscum contagiosum in school. And from what I had remembered, it was an acute illness. At least that's how it was taught to me. And it spread easily. But there hasn't been much spread. However, in the past couple weeks, these bumps are getting bigger and a little inflamed after bath. I was wondering if you could help me identify what they are and what I need to do about them. Thank you. All right. She sent me pictures. And I think I have like, I don't know, 20 to 30 photos and texts from friends about these bumps. They are molluscum contagiosum, and parents tend to be really bothered by them, even though they don't bother kids at all. They're usually found in a cluster on one part of the body, and they are skin-colored bumps that look kind of like thick pimples. If you look closely, some of them have a little dimple in the center, like a belly button, and that's why we call them umbilicated. We also call them pearly papules because they have a little shine to them sometimes. And a papule is just a fancy dermatology word for a raised bump. Molluscum can be a little itchy, but not usually, and they are never painful. The hard part for parents is that they stick around for a long time. They're caused by a pox virus. And once you have them, your immune system just doesn't know the virus is there and ignores it. Eventually, your kid's immune system will recognize the virus and they'll just spit them all off at the same time. Since it is caused by a virus, molluscum technically are contagious, but usually just between young kids. And they're really kind of mildly contagious. I think kids are all destined to get at least one of these at some point. So I would not stress about getting them from a sibling or giving them to another kid at school. Just don't worry about it. The mumps take at least six months to go away usually closer to 12 to 18 months. And this is a temporary issue. They will go away, I promise. Most of the time, doctors will just tell you to ignore them. They're harmless and they're gonna fall off if you don't do anything. On the other hand, if you go to a dermatologist, they will treat them with something probably like cantharidin, which is also known as beetle juice. And that makes the bumps turn into blisters. And that can be a little bit painful and often takes like more than one treatment to go away. When you go to a dermatologist, 
they are going to treat them mostly just because you went to see a specialist and they feel like they need to do something. But generally, again, I do not recommend doing anything at all. However, I do recommend treatment if they're on the face and they're kind of ugly or if there are just like a lot of them, like 60, 80 of these bumps. Okay, one of the treatments is that you can put acne medication on them, but it needs to be one of those retinoids. So either over-the-counter differin or get a prescription for Retin-A. Sometimes these acne treatments help the immune system to recognize that the molluscum are there. All right, now, if you are dying, just dying over these bumps and some parents are really freaked out by them, you can try the duct tape technique. So what you want to do is cover three of the molluscum with duct tape, and this will sometimes irritate them enough and make them all go away in a few weeks. And anecdotally, I hear that a product called Zymoderm, homeopathic drops work well, but I don't have any experience with that. Some parents pop them with a pin and then they express the white stuff that's inside. And this usually annoys the bump so much that the immune system finally does take over and recognize the bumps and spits them off. But this can leave a scar. And the other thing I've heard is that parents say that tea tree oil works. And it's certainly not harmful, so that might be worth a try. All right, do you want to let your kids know not to pick at them? So picking at them can spread them. So tell them to stop picking and don't let them chew on them. Yes, I've seen that. The point when parents become the most worried about molluscum is when they become scabbed or red around them. And that's when you actually want to celebrate they can look pretty terrible. And that is the point when you need to be less worried because they're about to fall off. First they scab, then they get red, and then they fall off. I called the nurse practitioner mom back to get an update. And she said they haven't done anything whatsoever for these bumps, but one of them just scabbed over and they're all starting to look red. So I know she's close. That just took me 10 minutes to explain everything I know and I want you to know about molluscum contagiosum, which reminds me that the other thing that's really hard for parents and for doctors is that in the office or obviously in a text, I can tell you, oh yeah, those are just molluscum, ignore them. But that's not a very satisfying answer. It takes this long to explain it. That's why you should share this episode with your parent friends. I bet one of them is gonna say thank you. Here's another question that I got through my website where you can submit any question you want. That's at drwendyhunter.com. And this is a question about a topic that was completely not on my radar. So I really appreciate when people send things in like this. So my six-month-old was accidentally fed breast milk that was meant for one of his classmates. The daycare said the protocol is to inform both parents, and I am glad they did inform me. However, the fact is that he received milk from someone that I don't know and I just want to be sure the other mother is healthy and does not have any known infectious disease. Should I just let it go and assume the other mother would, of course, give her child safe milk? What should I have the school ask the other mother about her health? Or should I have the other mother's milk tested? Honestly, my first instinct was to laugh it off and jokingly offer some of my breast milk since the other baby missed out on her meal. But now I'm kind of freaking out. Well... This is so common that the Centers for Disease Control has a statement about it, which I reviewed and will summarize for you. You know how the CDC can manage to make something simple seem really complicated. 
Well, the CDC paper covers how to handle a breast milk mix-up, what to worry about in terms of exposure, and how to prevent this from happening. I also put out a call for stories from moms about this, and I cannot believe how many people this has happened to. I'm going to share some of the most interesting stories I've heard. First, what to do when a mix-up happens. The CDC recommends whether this happens in a hospital or at childcare, both parties should be informed immediately and their guidelines specifically says to minimize fear and to reassure the families. The science of human milk is reassuring. We know that few illnesses can be transmitted through breast milk and even more interesting is that the unique properties of breast milk help protect infants from colds and other typical childhood viruses. In fact, an infectious disease doctor told me that she wouldn't feel bad at all if this happened to her kid. At least her kid might get a few antibodies that she herself didn't have to give to the baby and maybe some healthy intestinal bacteria too. Nevertheless, both families need to be notified when there is a milk mix-up and they should be informed that the risk of transmission of infectious diseases from milk is minuscule. When a mix-up happens, The facility where it happened should ask the mother of the accidentally donated milk if she's willing to share information about her medication use, recent diseases, and whether or not she had cracked or bleeding nipples when she expressed the milk. She's not required to provide this information though. The likelihood that a mother is breastfeeding and is on medication that should not be used in breastfeeding or has an infectious disease is almost non-existent. The only diseases that might be concerning are HIV, but all pregnant mothers are screened for HIV when they're pregnant. And even if a mom does have HIV and is breastfeeding, she has to have a really large viral load for any of the virus to even cross into the breast milk. So this really should not be a concern. According to the CDC, they say, quote, the risk of mother-to-child transmission for whom a single bottle of another mother's milk was fed is very low. The CDC is unaware of any evidence of transmission of HIV to a child via a single exposure to another mother's milk. The other two concerns are hepatitis B and hepatitis C viruses, but these viruses can't be spread through breast milk unless there's exposure to blood. That's why we ask about the cracked nipples. And most babies are vaccinated close to birth for hepatitis B. That's one of the reasons we do it. There is no vaccine for hepatitis C, but there has never been a case of breastfeeding spreading hepatitis C virus, and there's no evidence in the lab that it's even possible. All right, what about medications? Many medications do pass into breast milk, but most do not affect the baby. The risks from a single exposure to a medication through breast milk is basically non-existent. All right, here is one thing I heard from a mom. She said, my second child was known as a milk snatcher in the toddler's class at daycare. If it hit the ground, she grabbed it. Who knows how much milk she ingested from other moms. Okay, so this probably happens more often than we even know and would never know. It's natural to think first about disease and then maybe about medications, but the only possible concern is if your child has a milk protein intolerance and the accidentally acquired milk is from a mom that eats dairy. But again, in this scenario, one bottle is really not gonna make that much difference. And milk protein intolerance is really a benign condition anyway. You're not going to cause any harm to a child. Here's another quote from a mom. This happened to us as well. Ironically, my milk was being given to a baby to whom I was already donating milk. Well, what's the chance of that coincidence? I love that story. 
All right, here's another mom. She said, this happened to me when my baby was on formula at daycare. I was very angry at first, but then I was like, oh wait, she got breast milk. She loved it because apparently she drank 10 ounces when she usually drinks six ounces. I guess she missed breast milk. And here's a quote from another mother. This happened to us. I was just glad that the school wasn't calling me to say she was sick and needed to be picked up. And here's one of my favorites. My mother-in-law is from India and she told me how she breastfed my husband's cousins that were about the same age whenever they would come over. It's totally normal in India, I guess. So I think this is an important thing to think about is that I know a lot of mothers are getting breast milk from friends or on the internet. And honestly, it's really very safe and probably good for the baby. To help prevent breast milk mix-ups, childcare facilities should review and update their policies and practices for storing and handling breast milk, as well as train or retrain all of their staff in safe storage and handling of milk. In addition to clearly labeling expressed breast milk with the child's name, some facilities use strategies such as putting different colored rubber bands around the bottles for different infants and using separate bins for each infant's bottles. It sounds like a lot of daycares are listening to this advice because one mom shared her daycare's plan with me. She said, I thought the bottle protocols at my daycare were over the top until I heard stories from a bunch of parents about this. At my daycare, they put a bracelet on each bottle in addition to the label from home with the name and date, and the bracelet has the baby's name and picture on it. Each baby had a dedicated section in the fridge, again, with a photo and the same color border as their bracelet. They also put masking tape on the back of each baby's shirt every day with their first name, and they used this to have two people check the baby and the bottle before every feeding where they'd read out the name on the bottle, name on the baby, and then match the face. Well, this is one issue that was clearly not on my radar. So I want to thank all of these mothers for sharing their stories. The whole issue is really, really strange because we are sharing a bodily fluid. And I'm sure you've heard of breast milk banks buying breast milk on Facebook or getting some of a friend. They're really, as I said before, are not any risks. I also get a lot of questions about how long you can leave the milk out of the fridge. And the answer is always going to be way longer than you ever would. There are so many questions about breast milk and it really is a truly miraculous substance. I interviewed the country's leading human milk researcher in episode 17, so be sure to go back and listen to that episode. I love getting these questions, so please keep them coming. I especially love the ones that were just not on my radar at all. It gives me a chance to look into the literature and share some knowledge with you. from the pediatrician next door find me on the web at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com if you've got a question about the weird things kids do send an email to hello at pediatriciannextdoorpodcast.com for a chance to hear your voice on the show i'm dr wendy hunter and i'm the pediatrician next door this show is produced by red rock music make sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever it is you're listening i'll be back next time with more